am Teresa Weekly um, here enjoying the nice warm weather. It has been so nice out. Sharon and I are enjoying it while it lasts because we know it won't be forever. Hasn't been very productive. That's okay, right? Yeah. Um, one thing I've thought about is how long it takes to get to the point where things feel normal, you know? Um, like how long does it take to where you don't feel the pain in the same way and you just start to feel like like things are normal. And I don't know that it will ever happen, but um, I did talk to another family who experienced a similar loss 12 years ago, so they're farther along on this, um, to see how this journey has been for them. And this is my conversation with the Erdley family. I have Mary and Jeff and Mark with me today, and you lost a loved one um, a while ago and I as I understand it you're all kind of in a different place with with the healing process and that's what I want to talk about because I know for me I've kind of wondered like, how long is this going to take where I feel okay after losing my sister um, what can I expect and I think what I've come to see is well it just depends on on who you are and what you encounter along the way so I just kind of want to talk about who you lost and and where you are and Mary as the matriarch of the family <laughs> why don't we, why don't we sure, start with sure. you, can you tell me a little sure bit thank you yeah we um, so I lost my youngest son Matthew their brother um, 12 it'll be 12 years in July July 11th um, 2009 and uh, to suicide um, and basically he you know grew up happy kid you know, had everything you'd think you know nice home brothers families old he came to me and basically said that he had these feelings in his head and he didn't really know what they were or why it was happening and he just felt anxious and sad and you know we would talk about it but he uh, the biggest thing for him was the stigma with it and he didn't want to get the help that he needed and I tried to encourage him that we do have mental health in, or mental illness in our families so I'm you know, familiar with that but he just he wouldn't get the help and uh, he kept saying, you know, I can do this, I can do this on my own, until he couldn't. And, you know, we knew that he was in the throngs of depression, but we didn't know it was to the depth that it was. And so, um, so we lost him in 2009, it's been 12 years. Who is older, Jeff or Mark? Jeff. Jeff, yeah, okay. Eldest. So, as the oldest brother, yeah. um, how did that all play out from your perspective? What do you remember about that time? Yeah, I, I can remember actually even you know before it happened. Um, it was about prob probably eight to ten months before it happened, and I remember uh, my mom calling me and just and I was on a trip. I remember I was traveling, and she was very concerned about you know just um, you know how he was doing. He wasn't getting the help uh, that he should. And I remember sitting down with him. Uh, we actually went out to lunch and sat down and, and talked. And you know, it's it's a tough conversation to have, right? It's a it's a tough topic to uh, to bring up. And and I remember thinking, you know, why don't I have this disease? And and the sky's blue, and it's a nice day, and we you know we we have all the nice things that that my mom talked about earlier. And and it it just doesn't work like that, you know. If if you're not in those person's or people's shoes um you know it's it's just it's hard to really wrap your hands around and truly understand and so you know there was that and and followed up with them and you know a couple different times and i remember leading the the week uh before was fourth of july and we always 
did a, a family outing with some close family friends uh, on the 4th of July. And, and I remember he was uh, actually putting away the dishes in the dishwasher. He was at my parents' house. And I don't know why I was necessarily over there, but I just, I just said, hey, man, like, really want you to be uh, at the 4th of July and, you know, hope to see you there. Yeah, I'll be there. Yeah, I'll be there. And he didn't. And I remember, you know, just thinking, you know, what's going on with him and, and just trying to, you know, ask yourself all these questions. And, and again, as, as she said, n nowhere close to where, you know, we were worried something like this would take place. And so, um, you know, fast forward a week and, and I, I, rem I, you know, will vividly remember that day, uh, obviously, um, you know, for, for the rest of my life where I got the phone call from my mom and, uh, I was in my basement. I was just got done working out, got the phone call, and you know I, I could barely make out what what she was saying. She was like, you "Just need to get here quick." You know, Matt did something, and and uh, so rushed over to the house, um, and you know, obviously my worst you know nightmare uh, came true, and um, you know, I, I mean a lot of things I remember about that day, but that's you know kind of leading up to it, you would have never thought, you know, just the way Matt was, uh, just, you know, very selfless person, very happy, um, you know, in front of the doors, right? Behind closed doors, there's always a different story, but um, just didn't seem like that would ever take place with him. And so, um, you know, it's a tough thing to deal with, for sure. When you learned about what happened, Mark, um how did you react in the days and the, the years that followed? Yeah, um, well, so the day of, I was actually um, in Toronto um, for a friend's bachelor party. And so, speaking of Jeff's vivid pictures, I remember the phone call coming through and almost not answering it because I think we were in the middle of a bachelor party. So. <laughs> um, and, but I did, and at that point it was pretty difficult because Jeff didn't know if he had passed or not, other than he just, Jeff was just as hysterical saying, you need to get, you need to get home, you need to get to mom and dad's. And I'm like, I can't, I'm in Toronto, I, you know, what's going on? And so then we hung up and it felt like an eternity. I walked around downtown Toronto and thankfully I had very good friends with me that were supportive of it but I'm like I have no idea what's happening I'm waiting to hear back from Jeff and it seemed like it was hours but you know it was probably 15 minutes that he called me back and told me it passed and um I think from that point it was just like you know you you got to figure out how to get home so you got to try to come to grips with reality and everything else but then at the same time just try to understand what actually happened and for me I so we were we were closer in age, we're only three years apart. It was we were, I would say, best friends. I mean, I shared a lot with him, but we never really got into those conversations. We never really talked about his depression or anything like that. And um, and I don't know. I was young too, so I feel like maybe I didn't want to have those conversations with him. Um, so we just never really approached it. And so um, I think shortly afterwards it took me quite a while to really like forgive myself it was just a lot of questions of 
why didn't I talk to him more? We're closer than this. Why didn't we have these conversations? And so I feel like I kind of beat myself up a lot for quite a while about it. I was also super angry with him, like right out of the gate, feeling like this is a selfish thing and just things you're not, nobody's educated for this. Nobody thinks this is going to happen, you know? So, um, I feel like it was, that was all part of the process was learning the different emotions to go through. And, um, yeah, it just took, feels like, feels like we're still on the journey, but it just changes, you know, throughout from, from there, that point to now. Um, I understand that asking the question, why didn't, why didn't I see this? Why didn't I ask about this? And I should have known, um, as his mom, how was that guilt for you, Mary? Um, you know, I, it was not right away. You know, I was more thinking about conversations later. Um, you know, I, I think I tried to talk to him. I tried to explain to him this is like any other illness. You know, you just need to get help. But yeah, that guilt is there, you know, and you think maybe if I would have done this or if we would have done this. I mean, I thought of things even as like, he always wanted a puppy. And I thought maybe if we just got him a puppy, you know, just things like that. You just, yeah. you're grasping at things. And, um, I think the thing that str- that I struggled with for the longest time was he actually did say to me one day, um, and I didn't share this with people for a long, long time because it, it was so hard, was that he said, Mom, I just want to die. And I said, oh, honey, you don't mean that. Yeah, not right now, you know, and not, I just thought he's going to, it's just, I didn't think it was a phase. I knew it was real. I knew depression was real. I knew it was chemical. I knew, that, I knew all that, you know, from family experiences. But I just thought, you know, he's, I just always have hope for everything, you know, and everything in my life. And I just thought, he's going to get the help. He's going to be okay. And I just thought, honey, you don't mean that. And, and we still talked about it. It wasn't like I tried to, but I've, what I've told so many people since then, and I learned this, you know, through Christy and through the Mental Health Foundation is, you know, if you talk about, so you're afraid to talk about it because you're afraid they might be thinking of it. You might be encouraging it. And I've learned from this experience, and I've shared this with a lot of parents, is if you if you think that they're thinking about it, then talk to them about it. Because then at least they know they can come to you, and that's that might be even a burden that they can kind of unleash. And, and, and you know, just be able to feel like they can, you know, that somebody understands. And so... So for me, that was probably um, the toughest. Um, but yeah, there's always the what ifs and why didn't I do this? And if I would have just maybe encouraged them a little bit more, or, you know, had someone else talk to them. That was the other thing we didn't share with a lot of people. Yeah. There's a lot of people that didn't know. I mean, close family, but my mother and father-in-law, his grandpa and grandma, didn't even know. you know, so that put a lot of guilt on them. Like, well, we could have done this, and everybody thought oh, I could have done this, and, and you know, it's and that's partially a lot why we are sharing our story because we want other people to not have to go through that and feel like it's a, it's a it's not a normal conversation to have but it's an important conversation to have with your loved one where do you feel that you all are on this journey um do you feel like i can't imagine you all just stayed level at the same place at the same time but at this point 12 years later do you feel that you're all in a similar place or are you still in different places I think you know I, I let them answer <clears throat> you know from my perspective it's a it's a roller coaster right and uh, it's you know a, a day doesn't go by where you don't think about him or think about the situation or the you know the what-ifs and someone said to me after it happened that you know the idol your idol an idle mind is the devil's playground so it's one of those things you you, you think about it uh, and you have to realize that it happened um, but there's still times you know where 
and this was obviously much closer to when it happened and you know we have young families now that i think you know takes your mind off it to an extent but um you know i i I would think like well he's just he's on a long vacation he's going to walk through the door someday or he's going to you know be there when i when i least expect it and you got to come to realization that that's that's not the case and you know it's the new normal and everybody deals with the new normal in a completely different way. And I've, I've mentored people through conversations like this before where it's like, you know, nobody can tell you how to grieve or how you're going to react day to day. And you just got to, you know, take the, the, the highs with the highs and the lows with the lows and, you know, try not to get out of uh, balance too much. But, you know, lean on your, fram- your family and your friends and your faith or, or whatever you need to do to uh, kind of get you through uh, that situation because there's no you know, one size fits all for everybody because everybody deals with it in a different way. So for me, you know, now, um, I feel like I'm okay. You know, I mean, really when, uh, when it first happened, I think, you know, I really focused more and, and I think Mark, the same thing focused on my mom and our parents and, uh, probably didn't talk about it as much as, as we should, um, or, or have, but we've gotten through it. And I think, you know, she's, she did a fantastic job of, and, and it worried me at times, uh, you know, talking to other people and making sure that other people get helped as she alluded to. But there was a lot of times where I felt like she would do that and it would kind of rip off, you know, the proverbial bandaid again. Right. And so, I, I think for the longest time it was more just making sure that she was okay and you know now um it's something where um it's part of the reason why i decided to to join the the mental health foundation is i feel like i should be doing more i could be doing more so this is kind of part you know it took 11 12 years to kind of get to that point but it's something that um I think I could do a better job of and I want to help my community and and like she said you know and and we actually said that when we were here at Millennium Park when I got interviewed by out of the, out of the, excuse me out of, the, out of the darkness walk I got interviewed by somebody I think it was from from Woods ABA and you know I didn't even know what I was saying at the time because we were still going through a lot of different emotions but I was just like listen if if this if me being here and all these people being here uh make sure that this doesn't happen to to one more family or one one more uh friend then you know that's that's our part right so it's it's a tough one you know yeah absolutely i mean I, I could talk about it and i could talk about it with people and i remember somebody saying to me when it first happened and and i, I was definitely not happy with the comment but i have you know grown up a little bit and and understood it more and someone said this is going to make you a better family member or a better friend or a better listener or a better parent. And at the time, it was just too new for that comment probably to be made. And, and you'll, you'll hear it, and, and other people have heard it, that people want to relate to your situation. So they just feel like they have to fill that, that awkwardness with their story. And it's just like, listen, you know, my situation isn't any, any more important than your situation. Your situation is yours and mine is mine. And, and I appreciate you, you know, giving me the feedback. But... You know, it, people at the end of the day, I think, are trying to do their best and trying to be there for you. But sometimes, you know, they just don't know 
how to have that conversation. You don't want to hear why you're better off totally, because you right. know that you're not. Especially like, you know, days after this took place, right? You know, it's just too fresh and too new. But I look back at that now and I go, y- you know what? There was some truth to it. Like there was definitely some truth to it. And yeah, I would give back all those things to have my brother here. Um, but you have to, you know, you have to move forward and you have to, you know, have some positive come from it. And so, you know, it's an, it's an ebb and it's an ebb and a flow though. I mean, there's, it can, you can go right back kind of into the negative really quick. So it's, uh, you know, it's, it's not, it's not easy. Was there ever anything that helped you feel like you had more closure or helped you move forward? Um, so yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. I feel like, um, it was interesting because I wasn't like super close with his friends. I knew a lot of his friends and the way that everyone came together, um, during that time, specifically his friends was just huge. And I feel like I, I got really close with a lot of them and, uh, I felt like it was almost like I could, I don't know, connect with them was like connecting with him. And it was, I, I, I don't know if it was, I don't know if I want to say closure, but it's just a really good way to process it all and hear stories from them and maybe things that I'm like, I should have been asking, I should have been talking about. Um, but I got the stories from them and then you just hear like the most wonderful things about them and you're like, okay, like he was awesome. And so I feel like that was where I went for, for that. Um, kind of to your, your point before with, with, where we were at in the process. The other thing I did opposite of Jeff was I feel like I kind of like went gun ho like I'm going to support my mom. I'm going to get this message out. I'm going to do all these things. And um, in fact, I think I had a disagreement with Christy about a way a message was being portrayed, which we had a great conversation about. And um, so I went like hardcore into it um of really trying to tackle this issue and, and talk about it and i'm still that way like so if you were to say where you at in this process i'm in that, i'm i'm still through that process or i'm still in that process of trying to get word out stop the stigma make sure people are talking about it but now i'm in a different spot because i have three kids and so that's changed the whole mindset for me of like how do i say this to them and talk about their uncle you know and so um i feel like just recently I feel like it's like it's gonna get a lot harder because I have to explain this to these kids you know but um, I feel like I'm ready for it so that's where I kind of feel I'm in that process all these years have prepared me for this even though I know it's gonna be super difficult but it's that's therapeutic for me is to be able to talk about it. I have no problem I'm not scared to talk about it or anything and that's super therapeutic for me to be able to to tell my story and, and talk about it. Have you talked to your kids? Yeah, yeah. I mean, so my, my oldest is only five, and I have a five, a three-year-old, and a, and a one-year-old. And so the conversations right now are just about Uncle Matt and who he was, and he's in heaven. And um, they ask a lot of questions, and it's hard, but it's they love him. And it's so funny because they never met him, you know? And it's, like, amazing to hear them. And, in, in fact, my wife didn't actually ever meet him either. I met her shortly after he died and um so it's just interesting i have a whole family that never met him and i got to explain who uncle matt was and so um but again that's therapeutic like i'm crying right now about it but it's like super it's just great to to not forget him you know i think that was our biggest thing was don't ever forget him don't like we were scared that that was going to happen and 12 years later we still have not and i 
don't ever see that happening, you know? So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I was just going to say, I don't think there's ever really closure, right? Because there's right. the holidays and then the day that it happens, we always, it's always the week leading up to that. Again, the what ifs come out. So I don't, I don't know if there's ever really, you know, closure per se. I think there's just, there is the process and you're constantly through it and, and it's the ebb and flow. And, you know, if you can help people through that and make sure that doesn't happen to one more person, which, you know, she's done a fantastic job of, of, you know, being there for a lot of different people, people she doesn't even know, um, then, you know, you, you kind of, you get through the process, hopefully, you know, better or easier. I don't know what the right word is, but I don't know if, you, if there's that. You keep moving it. through it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He mentioned initially, um, with you talking about it so much, he felt like it was ripping off a Band-Aid. Did you feel that yeah. as well? <laughs> I did, but I felt like I had to do that. I felt like if I, um, kind of like, like Mark said too, and, and both Jeff now, where he is in the stage of wanting to give back and help, and for me it was like right off the bat, right off the get-go, I thought I got to do something, I have to do something, and I think that helped me in my healing, and, and like Jeff said, that there's really never closure, um, and I don't think you ever really heal, you know, someone always said, you know, um, time heals all wounds, and I don't think it heals wounds, especially, you know, in this situation, but, but, um, so for me, it, it was, but yeah, it would rip it off every time, and and um, and um, but I, I felt like I got I got more satisfaction out of that, knowing I was helping people. Sometimes you have to sacrifice your own comfort and your own, you know, to be able to help other people. And I knew that that's what Matt would want, and um, it was almost just like a calling. It wasn't even like I like I not obviously I didn't ask for it, but I mean it was like a calling. Like I just I had to do it. So I, you know, I went to schools and I talked to, you know, I've talked to college groups and parents groups and school groups and um, then, you know, just shared my story in different, different venues and, um, and honestly, I'm kind of in a different place now. I mean, I still like this and, and people call me and they ask, you know, if I talk to their child or different things and, um, but I kind of have backed off a little bit, but I do want to get back into it, but I do think too, my grandchildren have, you know, brought that joy that I never thought I'd ever have, you know. To you, I think too. It's like that, you know. You're. It's that like Jeff Evans flowing the roller coaster. For me, I kind of liken it like being um, out in a boat. And you know, I've read this analogy before, but you're out in a boat, and the waves are just hitting you in the beginning. They're just hitting you, and they're hitting you, and hitting you. And you just think you're never, you know. And then you just get knocked over, and you can't come up. And and you know, you finally come up for air, and then you know, you get knocked back down again. But then eventually, they get a little bit calmer, you know. And eventually, there's clouds, and then eventually you know, the, the, the clouds give way to the sun, and there is joy again, and I want you to know that, you know, there is joy again, and, but it, but then it can happen again, you know, then you get, for me, it's, a lot of times, it's, I can be in a room with all my grandkids and my kids, and it's the happiest time, but my heart sometimes just hurts, because I'm like, we should be here, so those are the things that, but it's still, there's still joy, you know, there's still joy, and it, it can take some time to get to that point, but, you know, what you're doing, I think, is amazing. You know, I mean, right off the get-go, you know. Well, I feel like you do a little bit with the Band-Aid, but... Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure you do, and you said that in the beginning. You know, kind of, people want to talk, and it gets to be too much sometimes, yeah. and you have to know when to back away, you know. When you talk, what what message do you try to leave everyone with? Um, what my message is, is I, I have a presentation. Um, first, I started out pretty raw with just a big old picture of Matt, and then Mark kind of helped me with the presentation. And, and I'm not a speaker, and I'm not really even comfortable with it, but um, 
I more put, try to put a face on mental illness. And so I start out the presentation with, actually with like people that are famous with, you know, what they all have in common. And then I say, I'm going to show you another face. And then this face isn't as famous. And then I show that face. And, and then just talk about mental illness and that it's, you know, affects one in four people. And it's, um, you know, everybody in the room, you know, affected by it in some way, shape, or form. And, and then I just share him and his life and what he was and to us and who he was as a person. And then I share, you know, his sickness and when he got sick and and what we went through. And um, so, because I just really want to put a face on it and let people know that it's been, especially the stigma. You know, a lot of letters afterwards from young people just saying, you know, so so afraid to tell somebody. And, um, so, you know, that's basically is my message, is putting a face on the mental, on mental illness and, and, you know, trying to get stigma around it and trying, and especially for asking for help and especially for young men. You know, it's such a hard thing. Being a tough guy. Being yeah. a tough guy. And he was. I mean, he was athletic. He was, um, you know, had a lot of friends. And he was always the guy that was trying to help everybody out. So I think, I think those are the types, you know, don't want to ask for help. Yeah. Very susceptible to it. And that's something that I... Um, you know, think about a lot, especially with the pandemic and the situation that we're in. And I message it with my team now, um, you know, where it's like, listen, you know, just check in with people, just make sure they're okay. You, you never know what somebody's going through or, you know, what happened to them that day or, uh, you know, just all the different factors with this pandemic and not, you know, not having the um, human interaction that we all, you know, kind of strive to, to have, um, not having it as often and it's different. Um, just, you know, I'm like, listen, if you're late for a meeting because you asked somebody if they're okay or how their day was going, like, you're not going to get, in tr no one's going to get in trouble for that. Like, we need to be checking in with each other, make sure we're okay. And, um, you know, because nobody's too busy, you know, to just, you know, try to deter something like, you know, something from like this from happening. And it can be as easy as, you know, I, I heard on your, your podcasts were that gentleman, um, I can't, yeah, yeah, just talked about, you know, that they've talked to survivors and, uh, you know, they were going to, to c commit this act and, um, they had a smile, you know, they'd received a smile that day from somebody and that turned their, their day around. I mean, it's, it's the, it's the simple things that, um, you know, a lot of us overlook and you kind of take for granted and, um, you got to remember that stuff and everybody's human beings and we need to treat each other like that. It's hard to measure yeah. <laughs> prevention, right? It is. And it's different for everybody, you know, everybody's journey. Um, and, it, and I think for some, it's, you know, it's so easy. We'll just get help. Just talk to somebody and it's not that easy for some people, you know? Even once you make the decision to, then it's still not <laughs> that easy. Yeah. Right. It's a lot of work. And sometimes, you know, I've said to people, sometimes, you know, the outcome isn't what you want, just like any other illness. Sometimes people are going to die, you know, and, that, and, that, and that's not a real hopeful message. But, but it's, you know, at least if you can get people to look at this like, a, like any other illness and seek the treatment that they need and just, you know, be able to have that conversation. Um, in closing here, as far as the journey goes for... You guys are all in the same family, but I'm sure you've all processed it differently. Uh, Mark, what, do, what would you want people to know about having patience and understanding when other friends and family are at a different place than you? Because it sounds like you kind of jumped right in, but Jeff wasn't necessarily there. So I don't know if that, I don't want to say caused problems, but, um, but you guys were on different pages. So how did you handle that? What, what would you want people to understand as they're going through it newly? I think that you just can't be ashamed of whatever journey 
you're going to be on. Like, you don't know. I didn't know what journey I was going to be on, you know. And um, just understanding that everybody's on a different page and going through a different scenario and different stage of it all and just patience. And I think, I think for me, it was like try to gain some knowledge. Like, it's, it's, it would be important to have the conversation rather than get upset or be like, why isn't he on the same page as me? Why aren't we having the same feelings or whatever? Like, let's talk about that. Like, why, why are you there? Let's figure this out. Okay. Well, this, yeah, I was there too. And we could share some insight on it and just gain knowledge from each other and, and, and build from there. I think, um, I, my mom always said, you know, we're going to become better and not bitter. And that's just who we are as a family. So like, I can't be bitter with them at all. They didn't do anything. I didn't do anything. Like it just was, it's, I would say patience and, and understanding and, and an open mind to listen to each other and talk it out. Better, not better. That's yeah. nice. Yeah. I like yeah. that. Thank you guys for coming out on such a beautiful day yeah. in yeah. March. I, I really I've enjoyed meeting you yeah. and I appreciate your time. Hopefully we'll have yeah, conversations again. And that would be great. Take an upstream approach to mental health with the Be Nice Action Plan. Invite yourself to reach out. Have a caring conversation about the changes you've noticed. I've noticed this and I'm concerned about you. Is everything okay? You haven't seemed like yourself lately and I noticed something you posted online that really made me worry. Can we talk about it? I noticed you stopped going to the gym, which you typically love to do. Have you been feeling okay lately? Learn more about each step of the Be Nice Action Plan at benice.org.